You're listening to DraftKings Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Journeyman. Today, I am back with my dog, Dragonfly Jones. We talk his Washington football team fandom. We talk celebrity Joes versus athlete pros. We diagnose what is the thinking with USA track athletes and so much more. Let's get it. Who are these guys? It's my theme music. Every good hero should have some. This is an institution of learning, ladies and gentlemen. If you can't control it, how can you teach? Discipline is not the enemy of enthusiasm. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Journeyman, brought to you by the good folks at the DraftKings Network and Meadowlark Media. As always, I'm your host, Andrew Hawkins, seven-year NFL veteran and three-time cuttee from the NFL. We will get into that. I am joined by my man, Tyler Pergear of the Jenkins and Jones podcast, better known as Dragonfly Jones. He is in the building. What's good, my guy? Everything's good, my brother. How's everything with you, man? Appreciate you having me back on. Absolutely, man. Look, everything is great. We are uh, closing up here on preseason football. Did you watch any preseason NFL football? Um, You know, I I kept tabs on it. I didn't lock in and watch necessarily. Yeah. I mean, because I feel like, you know, I told you I was a Washington fan a long time ago right. in, in a previous lifetime, right? I feel like, you know, I don't really just watch – you know, preseason games, if, if my team wasn't playing, I feel like uh-huh. the only thing that you really need to watch preseason football for is to just, just to see like execution, right? Yeah. Like just to see, you know, you know, how your quarterbacks looking and, you know, if the big boys up front are blocking, how the pass rush looking, your wide receivers are getting open. I don't think you should take like anything more than that from it. So, you know, being that I'm kind of like a man without a country, doesn't really have a team. I just kind of just watch on Sundays and shit. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, I, ha- I haven't been locked in. That's a long winded way of saying, I don't care about the preseason. Exactly. And I get it. And I don't nobody nobody blames you, right? That's just what yeah. it is. You said you used to be a Washington fan. What changed you from being a Washington fan? Bro, I mean, it was is it, it, was, it was just not a being bunch any of good? shit. Yeah, it was, you know, I was born into the shit, unfortunately. Like okay. I would not have made that choice <laughs> of my free will. I'm like a third generation <laughs> fan, right? It just after after I saw the way they did RG3, which was just, you know, how did they do RG3? You... That's a good let me get let's we just going with it today. Dragonfly. Bro, how, how did they do RG three? Explain to me how they did him. They should they should have sat him um his rookie season late when 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 he had that um leg problem. Okay, so and he, they, he hurt they put his him leg. back out there and he was never the same after that. He was right? never just, the same. Just complete mismanagement of someone who you mm. gave up like eighty first round draft picks to get. You know what I mean? That's so, an interesting take. I like yeah. I like where this is going. Is that the sentiment of most Washington at the time Redskins fans? Yes, absolutely. That like, he, I, I mean, you got he is that one season we had that rookie season we had from RGB was the best season of quarterbacking we've ever seen uh-huh. for that franchise. Mm-hmm. Like you look at some of the dudes that we've had, bro. Come yeah. on, man. Like, like like we had to believe in like thirty eight year old Mark Brunel at one point in our fandom. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. yeah, we've been through it, man. And of course, you know Snyder, worst owner in all of sports. Like you can make a case Snyder that Snyder was bad. You know. Yeah, he's really bad. Really and for bad. one, I always hated the, the the name. I'm glad they changed it, you know. And I and I was halfway coming around on the Washington football team, you know. I I, 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 I kind of dug it. They yeah, I, I didn't that. like it at first, but you know, it, it kind of felt like like some some European soccer league yep, shit that yep, kind of yep. had that charm to it. You know what I'm saying? But then they went with the Commanders, and I'm like, bro, I, no, like like that sounds like the name of a police dog or some shit. Yeah, like I'm, I'm not rooting for no Commanders, dog. Yeah, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. So okay, yeah. so RG three gets hurt. Um, terrible owner. I, I got takes on the RG three situation. RG three, RG three is my man's. That's my dog. But I know RG three. 
And I know that leg injury was legit, but that ain't got nothing to do with some of the other things that, from a playing perspective, mm-hmm. that have plagued RG3 in his career. We That's a different topic for a different day. I got my, my, my take is that it was more personality-driven for the um, 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 implosion. And I mean that yeah. from people dynamics, from RG3, yeah. Shanahan not getting along, uh, RG3 becoming real friends with the owner, and now you create this, like, you know, pointing fingers, who's doing what, trying to make this person look bad. And I think in the end, RG3 lost ultimately of everybody in there. R- okay. Snyder, he ended up losing his team. It had nothing to do with that situation, but he made a bunch of million, money off of it, so he, there's no really loss for him. Uh, and then Shanahan goes on and does the same thing that he was doing with RG3 with every other quarterback. So, that's 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 kind of my take for the Washington fans, but that that is neither here nor there. So now you still call yourself a Washington fan? Or are you done completely? Um, you know, who I, is I your team? I keep up with them. So who I, is your I, team? I don't have a team. I'm a man without a country, right? Now. Okay. So once Washington starts winning again, I we, we got to see you on Twitter <laughs> talk about we back, baby. Three generations. Oh, I, I have, I have no shame. Daddy, I absolutely will bandwagon. I am if, born if they in this. They go 13 or 4 or some shit. Yeah, I have no shame there. But, yeah, but well, they got to show me, bro. They do got to show you. They did beat the Ravens and, and, and it ended their preseason football streak. Mm. So, I mean, preseason means nothing. We established that earlier in this this conversation. But that's something to look forward to. Are you all in yeah. on Sam Howell? You're, you're, not, you're not in on anybody. That's the thing. You're just sitting back because you don't want to be telling people you're a Washington fan and now it's tainting your resume. I get it. Yeah. Well, preseason football, it's, it's, it's pointless for, to the – to 98% of people who are involved in football. But, like, I, later in my career, I didn't even play any preseason games. And I hated preseason. I've always hated preseason, even when those games meant literally the world to me where I needed to perform well for 19 plays to feed my family. I still hated it yeah. because the stakes are so high. Cut down day has, has, has just happened, and preseason is like a build-up to cut down day. I don't know if there's any equivalent in the regular world. Like, it's like if you have a regular job and then for, like, three weeks out of the year, you get to a certain point. Like, let's call it September. You get, no, let's not, let's too close to football. Let's say March comes around and for three weeks, your whole job and everybody knows it, the bosses come and say, hey, we're thinking about getting rid of everybody. You got to do your job as best you can for three weeks. And every Saturday, we're going to have a presentation. And everyone has to make a PowerPoint and that presentation, you got to come with it. And all week, we're going to be seeing you put the presentation together. And we're going to be judging you, just how you put your presentation. Interesting. Interesting you went with that transition, Dragonfly. That's, we'll see how it bodes for you on Saturday. And then everybody in the company, every Saturday, is doing these presentations. And then at the end, for a day, you know the day is here. And in the morning, they say, just hold on to your cell phone. We're going to be calling you. So you wake up early. You get your coffee. You get your water. You get your Gatorade, whatever you're into. And... You're scared to death because what happens is, is you got to hope you don't get a call and then say, hey, your presentations, they were good, but there's, we just we went with somebody else. And you got to pick up and move town somewhere. You talk about the most excruciating day ever. I can't even, I can't even begin to describe how crazy cut day is, Tyler. Yeah, I, I, I can imagine. Like, like I, I mean, what's, what's some of your experiences with cut day? Like, was there ever... A guy who got cut, you were like, "Holy shit!" Did not see that coming. On that happens literally every time because it's 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 not even so much you really can you can perform too good and get cut. 
Like there, 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 there is no rhyme or reason. There is not like a because you can make too much money. You can make too much money, or it could be we want to position ourselves for better draft picks, and you actually help us win too much, and so we have to get rid of you. And I've been in that situation where we've cut way better players, a lot of them, in one swoop because it was. You're, yeah, you're going to keep us in that middle ground. We either got to be really good or we got to be really bad, but not we can't be 7 and 7 and 9. That is that is yeah. not an option. And so you know, but that I mean again, that's just a part of the business of it. My rookie year uh in the NFL was the most excruciating cuz it, it was literally you play, you know, I've done well in practice, I've made some plays in preseason, and for me, I was coming from the CFL and I just wanted I had a kid coming. I couldn't survive any longer on 45K salary going to Canada and then spending all my money in, in rent up there, right? So it was like yeah. that point of like either I'm going to be doing football or I'm going to be going to do another job. And so literally you wake up and you wait by your phone and you got to hope you don't get a call or if you do get a call, it's something you you want to hear. And everybody feels that. I mean, maybe not like the top, we'll call it 40% of the team, but everybody beyond that, understands that is you know there is not any guarantee like oh you know it just might no you're literally you have to sit there and hope right and so I, I remember getting a call and I got cut but they were putting me on practice squad and I celebrated on the phone because a practice squad was double my CFL salary <laughs> and so my so other people on the team were like congrats like they were like oh sorry to hear about you getting cut and I'm like sorry I'm here, baby. I'm on. I'm on. Right. The, I'm on the look squad, dog. I, I'm good. Six <laughs> and figures. How many times a week did um did the practice squad meet? We practice. We're there. Your practice squad is there. there the, same, the only thing your practice squad doesn't do is dress for games. Okay. Right. And they also. I mean, now they probably make way more. At the time, it was a hundred thousand dollars they made a year. Sheesh. Now they probably make two. You can get paid regular salary and be on the practice squad just because they want to keep you around, but don't have the space on the fifty-three man roster. Yeah. So, again, for me, I was elated, and I ended up getting caught up to the, to the active roster maybe two or three weeks into the season, and now, you know, didn't look back after that. But, yeah, no, it's an excruciating time. And then people, like, do do shit like call your phone and act like they're the GM and Hell, they act no, like they no, cut no. you. And so, like, there's, like, guys will walk or Like, they'll call you. Other people will be around and filming on their phone. They'll act like they're a GM calling you and telling you to bring your playbook and cut you and then film – your reaction to it, and then jump out like, ah, we got you. And it's like, yo, that is traumatic. I don't. <laughs> no, that is grimy. But yeah, I mean, a hundred racks to be on a practice squad. Hey, two hundred k now. We just got that word. Now it's two hundred k. The the practice yeah, squad salary money. is two hundred. It's incredible money to play football too. Yeah, it's incredible money. But preseason sucks objectively. Only only yeah. thing worse than preseason football is joint practices because joint practices are like um, multiple preseason games. They're worse. Yeah. Because in preseason, you really only play a certain amount because there's so many players that they want to try to get reps for. But then when, like, the, the, the commanders practice, let's say they're practicing against, I don't know, the, the Panthers. And it's like you fly down to Carolina, you're there for four days, and you practice against the other team for three days. And every day and every period feels like a game because now you're trying to showcase yourself for the other coaches. Right. And now your pride is involved. And so everyone is going dumb hard for three days straight, and I can't for the life of me figure out why the union doesn't collectively bargain that joint practices are basically more intense preseason games and we should get rid of them. 
But that's that, a that's why to be squabbling all the time. I've never seen a joint practice where a fight didn't happen between the, the two teams, bro. Yes. Never. There's gonna be there's never not gonna be fights. Mm-hmm. There's too much on the line. There's never not gonna be fights. That gets a little bit through preseason football. So uh we we spend a lot of time there and, and also just we're gonna get you back on the Washington bandwagon before they start winning. So you can actually take credit for it, Tyler. But we'll talk uh, a little more NFL and NBA when we get back. <laughs> so we started out talking about preseason football, and I, I tried to make an everyday equivalent. I don't think I did it successfully, but whatever. I mean, it's the truth. That's just no, how it, it works. Is. There's there's no other shit like there's it. Not, you know there's I mean? nothing like it. I can't even. There's nothing like it. There's literally nothing like it where you get that level of judgment um, with that level of stakes in your life uh, so frequently. It sucks. Right. But that is the life of athletes. That is it's just a different world. And the thing about being a journeyman, which I do uh, categorize myself as, but it's like you're a half fan and half elite athlete. Mm-hmm. And it's a very weird space to be in. It's like there were times where I felt like I just had the, the best like fan ticket in the house. Like wow. I was just like I was getting paid to come watch games like as a fan. You know, it's a it's a it's a weird space. But. That kind so, of so, so were there were there any matchups when you were like, bro, you know, I do not want to see this dude on Sunday. Like, I know he's it's gonna be hell. Like, you know, I think later in my career it was like that. It's a weird thing. Football is a little different, I think, than NBA as well because NBA players, I feel like they know a little like more clearly of where they are in the pecking order of like mm-hmm. skill level and what you're able to do. Football is. Uh, predicated on just d- delusion. Like you can't like the, one of the, m- the major prerequisites of being an NFL football player is that you are a delusional. You are as delusional as they come. Cause the, Bro, you're, you're signing up to collide with other grown men. For you gotta career, be right? delusional. And you, and yeah. it's not even just like, you can't even go into it thinking you're not going to win the collision. I'm going head up with Ray Lewis and there's not an ounce of me that doesn't think Ray Lewis is about to have the worst day of his life. Ray Lewis would have me shook going across the middle. I ain't gonna lie to you, dog. See, that's what I mean. I don't have that. Yeah. I don't have that gene, right? And so, like, when you say, like, oh, is there someone you went against that you were like, man, like, I think later on in my career, and the reason I say that is because now my, you know, my hot, hot ain't hot, hot and like it used to. You know what I'm saying? It's like, <laughs> it's like those are your weapons. You go into a game. Every NFL player has a, has weapons, right? Like you're gifted with certain things, whether that's strength, explosiveness. Right, right. Right. Elite hand eye coordination, quickness. Uh, There's like everyone has like their own thing that you've like honed this weapon. And then as you get older, that shit just goes. It starts to just deteriorate. And, you know, them them, that draw in as fast as it used to. So imagine going into battle and your weapon is like, you know, it's like, dang, it's saying what it, you know, so that's when you start to get nervous of like, am I going to be able to get out the way? Right, when Ray right. Lewis is I, coming. I mean, you know, you, you've heard the whole adage that if you go out there playing football, you know, and you're thinking, then it's time to quit. Like, it's time to hang it up. If you're out there, Absolutely. you know, worrying about your safety. Like, so many football players have said that. Absolutely. And you worry about it. I, I heard a Peyton Manning quote recently. He said his dad told him when he said, oh, I felt pressure. I felt, like, nervous. He's like, you feel pressure because you're unprepared. And that's how you feel. Like, I knew – there were certain times where I was like, I want to make this move. I've made this move 1,000 times in my sleep. And the couple times where I'm like, oh, there it is. And then I got hit and I'm like, uh-oh, why didn't, why didn't that activate, right? And there, it would be in moments where there wasn't high stakes. But then yeah. it's like, well, if I'm going across the middle against 
Troy Palamalu or um, uh, Leron Landry. I don't know if you've ever seen Leron Landry. Yeah, um, that motherfucker looks like a street shark, bro. I'm going across the middle on, on, on Landry, and if that move don't activate on time, I might be waking up Tuesday, right? <laughs> so <laughs> that's when you start to get like, mm, okay. And so to, to combat that, now you start doing other things. Like, well, if I don't feel confident and when that ball is there, me being able to catch and get down before he flies, launches, now I'm like, that means I got to figure out if that's if I'm going to be in that position in my route. So now my route is going to be running a little slower. I'm going to be looking a little bit more because I don't trust Johnny Manziel to know not to throw that pass. So now <laughs> yeah. I got to make that decision. The hospital balls. And, and now it's just like, man, what kind of route is that? Oh, that's a... That's what you call a survival route. That's like, I was trying not to die, right? So anyway, that's so 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 you you've had routes where you've been like, I am not feeling going across the middle on this. I'm not going to go full speed. There has been times I have to make another read. Like you've had routes like that. My last year in the NFL, I had a sit down route over the ball, and on this route, I went there, I sit down, I catch the ball, I I turn around, I get vertical, and I get what I can get. Probably like an eight nine yard catch. Catch at five, go get four, get tackled, right? That's the thing. Well, when you're sitting there, the quarterback locks eyes, everything collides. Everything moves so fast, and everybody is looking at eyes to determine where to go. So I run this route. Josh McCown is my quarterback. I know he has to throw me to one side or the other, depending on where the defense is, and I got to trust it to turn that way and go. So I sit down, he locks eyes, and he doesn't throw it right away. So number one, my clock is going off. And it's not like two seconds. It's not one second. It's literally... As soon as we lock that, your arm should be in the air and it's not up. So now I'm like, okay, my clock is going off. I know where the defender's coming from. This side, he's going to hit me. So he has to throw it this side. He throws it in his little inside. I know the defender's there. I know it's a tick late. I slap the ball down. <laughs> like, hell no. <laughs> it, was like, it was like third and, and 11. I was catching it at like six yards. I'm like, I'm not going to get the first down. Slapped the ball down and ran to the sideline. That's when I was like, yeah, this is probably my last one. This ain't going. <laughs> this isn't. <laughs> Smart man, though. Too many. I'm, I'm too smart at that point. I'm too smart. Yeah. But in my prime, though, I, I was different. And even at that stage, like even telling that story, it was completely different than like what a normal person. And I say that as a segue to I don't know if you've seen this, but Kevin Hart tore his abdomen, which is a crazy injury. I couldn't, I was trying to fathom tearing my abdomen. And maybe at my age or my background, it just. I could not fathom running and tearing your abdomen. That's a Aaron, that's that's old people shit for real. Because you know old motherfuckers say like I hurt my whole left side, like like, like, like the he whole left tore his whole midsection. Dog. Yeah, like I'm like I didn't even know that was possible running. Like I didn't, yeah. and he works out. He is a workout guy. He is yeah. in the gym. I'm like if I, I just couldn't imagine it. Anyway, come to find out, the story was he thought he could beat a former NFL running back, Stephen Ridley, and then they lined it up to race and the way that Kevin explained it. He's like, all my people know I'm fast. Right. And so anyway, he, 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 he races this former NFL running back. I don't even know when the last time Steven really was in the league. If I was to guess, I'd say 19, 18. And, and it's funny because Kevin jumped out in front of it. He told the story before the video came out, which was smart because the person of his caliber, he got it. He got it. He got it. He got to water it down a little bit. He tries to race this running back. The running back blows his doors off. Not only blows his doors off, Kevin is straining and trying to run so fast that he tears his lower abdomen. The race is not close. Let me be very clear. It wasn't like it was a, a neck and neck situation or he could have got him at the. It was 
the fact that this guy accelerated past him so quickly strained Kevin to uh, a level he was not expecting. That's wild. I mean, bro, like, you know, I saw the video. Kevin was like, man, I'm 40 now. I can't be doing this. Yeah, exactly. You should have you known that before you hopped up. And NFL speed is so different, bro. Yes. Like most people, most people would not be able to to beat offensive linemen in foot races, right? Like 320 pound dudes. Like NFL speed is different, dog. Yes. And that that that's the key. Because even Kevin at 40, I don't care if Kevin was 28. He was not beating whatever age Stephen Ridley is. It wasn't a... It wouldn't be a close race. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like, yeah. it, it's, I'm telling you, it's just not it. I could beat Stephen Ridley. I want Stephen Ridley to know that right now. If he is listening, okay, you do not want up. this smoke. Okay. And hey, how, how you holding up after you, you fucked your shit up with your, with your kid. I'm you know, back. Last time we were I think I'm back. I haven't tried to spritz. See, now it's like, you know, back in the day I would pull something and then it'd be like, man, I got to get right. Now I just yeah. pull it. And I just stop doing shit for however long. <laughs> Until I forget about it. That's probably why I keep re-pulling it, right? But as long yeah. as I stretch, you know, Tyler, I'm good. If I get a good stretch in, stretching I still so got vital, bro. I got elite so, level quicks at 37. When you're young, you think stretching is bullshit. Like, you think it's something you just have to do. <laughs> but then you get older and you realize it's something you need to do, bro. Exactly. If we, if they brought back pros versus Joes, there were some clips bouncing around on the internet. Would you, would you sign up, Tyler? I seen one of Absolutely. Michael Irvin... Old school pros versus Joe's was like one of my favorite shows. I ain't gonna lie. Yeah, I loved it. I love yeah. it. But absolutely not. I, I am fully self aware of the gulf between regular dudes and professional athletes. But I would never sign up. Even like, for a I price? Really, even for like money? Oh, for money. Yeah, yeah. yeah I would I mean, you win money. For money. If you go on pro versus Joe's and you win, let's say you walk away with 10,000, you're not going for that? You got to win to get the money? Like, I just don't get a bag just for showing up? No, man. You don't get no appearance oh, fees no. for being no, no, no Joe. I'm not going to embarrass myself. I'm not going to embarrass <laughs> myself for free. I have a price. You, you, you want a, a, a rider for being a regular dude on some <laughs> athletic shit? That's crazy. Yeah, no, you got to win. No, I, I, if, if I got to win whatever challenge to get the bag, I'm not going. You're not people going? On, and people on Twitter are so delusional, bro. So delusional. Like, I remember not too long ago there was a discussion on if you could, could, could score on Kawhi Leonard, like peak Kawhi before he got hurt Leonard, defensive player of the year. I'm like, bro, no, no one reading this can do that. Like, like the, the real question needs to be, if Kawhi locks in on you, how many dribbles could you get off before he makes you pick that shit up or he strips it? And we would set the over-under on that, I'd say at like 4.5. You know what I mean? So, so no, people are, are, especially on Twitter, Twitter's the lane where people think they can beat up Grizzlies in one-on-one fights. So, so I don't take anything that people on there say seriously when it comes to shit like that. I swear, I would, I would, I would do... I want to bring pros versus Joes back. But how did yeah, you do it. it? I don't know if it would make sense anymore with regular people, but I do think that Kevin Hart, if he's smart, Kevin, if you're listening, what you should do is produce this as celebrities versus oh yeah, versus athletes. Because then, sure. then it's like when you beat up on regular people and you're a delete athlete, there's like some level of empathy for people. That they're like, ah, oh, that's messed up, man. Of course, but for celebrities, they don't they don't get any empathy. Yeah. Like athletes you're don't rich, get empathy. Bro. Yeah, it's like, oh, you tore your abdomen. It's all right. I'm sure your insurance is terrible. Nobody yeah. cares, right? So, celebrity Joes versus pros. That is the lane. That is a show that I would absolutely watch ten times. As, as, as celebrities are delusional enough to lie, they are as they're delusional. As athletes. they're surrounded by nothing but yes, man. We see so many like rappers uh, post their 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 boxing clips when they, when they get <laughs> working in the boxing room, and they look horrible. And nobody told him, bro, don't do this. They're like the like Meek Mill. Come on, man. <laughs> there is not a worse demographic at throwing hands than than, than rappers. I Absolutely. I'm like 
I don't condone it, but I see why you guys carry guns. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> because when it goes, when it's the fisticuffs, that is, I like my chances. I'm just saying yeah. that against rappers. Yeah. Not all rappers. Yeah. Some rappers, I'm sure, got hands. Some rappers is really, they really down to squabble. But I see why the security's there, and I see why you got the extra protection. All right, we're going to be back yeah. in just a moment talking more NBA and NFL. It is the 104th NFL season this year, and they kicked it off with a pretty cool commercial. Uh, last year, all the, the scuttlebutt on Twitter was that the NFL is scripted. And people actually believe this. People come up to me all the time and say, as recent as a week ago, another father on my son's Little League football team was explaining to me how he is confident that the NFL is scripted and they scripted for certain players, to which I was like, I got uh, clicks in my knees that will provide all the otherwise evidence that you need. But it was smart in the NFL. They did a commercial for the 104th season as a table read uh, that was run by Keegan-Michael Key. They had players in there like Jamar Chase, Jalen Ramsey, Kirk Cousins, uh, DK Metcalf, the Kelseys, their mom, which was pretty cool. It was, a, it, was a, it was an idea that made sense. Dragonfly, did you see the commercial? And if you did, what were your thoughts? Yeah, I saw it. You know, I, I thought it was pretty witty, you know, leading into the whole the NFL script writers thing. Um, and I'm glad that they're poking fun at it because it's such an absurd thing to seriously believe in. Right. Like, you know, it's, it's something to have some fun with. But if you seriously think that there is a league full of what, 32 teams with 53 people <laughs> and all of them are going to be on the same page, you know, okay, this is Pat Mahomes year, guys. Everybody just, <laughs> just, 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 just fold over to the Chiefs. You know, that's what's in the script. Come on, man. No, it, this shit does not work like that, bro. Yeah, no. I, I, have you ever tried to just uh, plan, like, a, a vacation with the homies? Right. Like, like four bro, people? Like, like trying to plan a, a vacation with the bros was just like four, y'all. That shit is, like, impossible. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Are you telling me you're you going to get, like, you know, like I said, 32 teams, 53 men on each roster. And then you got the coaching staffs and all that, right. too, who are going to be. Trainers got to know. Everyone, yeah. everyone has to be on the same page. You guys are going on vacation with four people to, uh, to damn Tampa, Florida. And <laughs> you are all have the same goal. And you still can't get on the same pace, let right. alone that many people it is it is ridiculous for anybody listening if the nfl is not scripted or at least i didn't get the script maybe that's what it is maybe i wasn't important you enough. In the loop, man. i wasn't in the loop maybe there's a maybe there's a hierarchy in the nfl that you gotta i never re, i never reached that to say to have a say so in what happened right i kind of knew what our script was going to say when i played i'm gonna be honest with you <laughs> yeah, i knew what my script was i knew it i yeah. i'm like this season people still watching um so, yeah, maybe that's what it is. But I thought the commercial was funny, and I thought that it was unique to see the NFL poke fun at themselves that way because typically, like, I could see the NBA doing that. The NFL doesn't like to be looked at in that way in any capacity. Right. So it actually surprised me a little bit that they were like, yo, this is this is funny. Let's lean into it um, because that actually kills it, whereas typically what the NFL will do is they will ignore it and it just get it more and more light. And they would have been tweeting about this for the next four years, like seriously, right. whereas this version of it now, it's like they're in on the joke, so it kind of ruins it a little yeah. bit, right? Yeah, um, absolutely, because to your point, like the integrity of the game, especially since the NFL has gotten in, 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 in you know, cahoots with gambling and shit, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's something that they are taking very seriously. You see guys are getting years-long suspensions 
for just, you know, doing little three-leg parlays on FanDuel and shit, right? Like, the integrity of the game is something they take very seriously. Yeah. They're they're giving guys life sentences uh, for the the, the parlay. Yeah, man. Kirk Cousins is in there, and Kirk Cousins is an interesting one. This is this is a good a, a good topic based on how we originated the the pod with RG three and Shanahan because in mm-hmm. that same draft they drafted Kirk Cousins right. in the fourth round. Fast forward to what a decade later, Kirk Cousins is a solidified NFL starter. I mean, he's won the business of football. He's probably had the best contract since he's been there. Right. Fully Just guaranteed deals. guaranteed money. Like, and dog, cranking what? cranking out eight and eight seasons like it ain't shit, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> what is our sentiment on Kirk Cousins? Because he's always like the guy, like you know, he's a you don't love him, you don't hate him, but he and then there's these clips where he's super passionate. And he shows you more personality than you than you think he has. As a Washington fan, what are your thoughts on Kirk Cousins? Kirk Cousins is like a dude who has totally like exceeded his expectations i'm sure like he's, he on house he's someone money. Who, who has just rolled lucky sevens every time it's come <laughs> up right like every time <laughs> like i said it. yeah and, and and kirk cousins he's so interesting right because he's a guy who where you know the box score does not tell the complete story with that guy like mm-hmm. if you don't watch a minnesota game and you see that you know they lost or whatever you'll go to the box score you'll see like you know kirk cousins had 350 yards 28 for 33 you know two touchdowns and then you're like okay well, well, how did they lose this but what the, what the story you don't see is those five incompletions right like they were crucial third down conversions <laughs> that he whipped on or you know what i'm saying or right. a touchdown that he that they whipped on and they had to settle for three like he's just an interesting dude in that regard. Like he'll light it up, but he just doesn't make the plays needed to win and shit. And it's like, you can't really get too mad. at I for sure feel like he's stealing money, but he, I feel like he knows that he's stealing money too. So you can't really be mad at guys like that. I, you know, I think he, he might be the perfect NFL player. And I don't mean that from an ability standpoint. I believe like he has an equation that if anybody, honestly, I think it goes across any industry or category. It works. And that is Kirk Cousins works his ass off. Regardless of what his ability is, or he 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 doesn't strike me as a person who thinks he is Tom Brady. To your point, but yeah. that doesn't change his approach to the game. He is not lazy. He he cares. He goes into everything the way that you want somebody who you're relying on to go into it works like profusely, and then he has the ability. This is what makes him special to not care about the result. Yes, I did my part and I'm moving on. And that is probably the hardest thing to do because you have people who are super talented, who don't care about the result and don't work hard, who work hard and care about the result so much that it makes them a worse player. And they mindset is not there. And Kirk Cousins, I feel like that's why everyone, you know, you don't hate him. You don't love him, but you got to respect him. And even the people he's around and he's played for, they all swear by him because he cares. He approaches yeah. it like that. But then if it doesn't go, he's like, hey, I did everything I could have done. What? I ain't going to yeah, lose sleep over it, you know? That, that, that is a great philosophy to have. He's like the most, man. I'm just happy to be here as quarterback. He plays loose. Like, like yeah. I, I did what I could play do. with house money. He knows it. You know? And which, again, more along this topic, Shanahan was a big Kirk Cousins guy, like a big Kirk Cousins. As a matter of fact, the plan for the 49ers before they got Jimmy Garoppolo was to go get Kirk cousins like that was the the ultimate plan but then jimmy garoppolo came in in that trade and they wanted to like basically let's play him up and then leverage him for a trade to somebody else but then he played so well in that first year without knowing any of the offense they the whole strategy shifted and they didn't go get kirk cousins well yeah now 
Shanahan is back with in in the quarterback controversy land because they just traded off Trey Lance and very similarly to what they traded and gave up to RG3, they went up and got a lot to go get Trey Lance at that position for him only to play something like seven or eight games, which I feel like isn't even enough. You know, they see him every day in practice, but I don't feel like we got enough game um, experience and performance to really, really judge off of what he is. But he's traded. He gets traded to the Cowboys. And now there's this conversation about, you know, did the 49ers do him a disservice? Is it a Trey Lance issue? John Lynch was on a podcast and he said Trey Lance apologized on his way out, which I thought was an interesting take. What is what is your what is your POV or, or your opinion on the Trey Lance and 49ers situation? Well, for one, this is the shit I like about preseason, the drama like this. Like, mm-hmm. like you know, you're, you're bringing in Trey Lance to, to Dallas. You're, this is a 23-year-old kid who's only played like six games. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know that the the subtext here is you're going to kick the tires on this kid, kid being a starter one day, right? And you got Dak there, yeah. you know, who's who's coming up on a contract year. So, you know, that makes for an interesting dynamic. And mm-hmm. we, we even heard Dak come out and he was like, you know, Dak is a, a real, you know, suit and tie, say all the right things type corporate guy type dude. And even he was like, <laughs> Interesting yo, way. they didn't hit me up. Yeah. I was blindsided by this. Like, but, you know, we'll see what it is. Like, and that's about as controversial as Dak is going to get. Right, right, right. right. You, you, you know, just just kind of saying that, nah, they didn't keep me on the loop on this. Right. right. Like, that is the most disparaging thing that that corporate guy Dak will say about <laughs> his employer. But, um, but yeah, it's, um, you know, the, the, the trade last trade is so interesting to me because... Um, you can make the case that, of course, it's perhaps like one of the worst trades in NFL history. San Francisco gave up gave three first rounders for a guy who they gave up on two years later and shipped out for a fourth. Uh-huh. But what's really, really interesting to me about this um, trade is that everyone involved, like either directly or indirectly, everyone who kind of just, you know, came under the umbrella of the fallout from this trade, like cashed out in a major way, except for the 49ers. Right. Uh-huh. So so let's break this shit down. 49ers, they send three firsts to Miami, right? Right. The Dolphins get the 12th pick in the draft. They trade that pick with Philly, and they move up to six. So they use that pick to draft Jaden Waddle. Mm-hmm. They use another one of those firsts to trade for Tyreek Hill. And now you've got, like, you know, perhaps the best wide receiver tandem in the league with that. Just like that. Um, they use a, the other first to trade for Bradley Chubb. So Miami flipped those three first, like I said, into, into perhaps the best wide receiver due in the league mm-hmm. and an all-pro linebacker, A-plus, bang-up job right there. Shout out but to that's the, not where the shit stops, right? Shout out like, to Mike McDaniel, though, because he was on that side of it and then benefited from the track because yes. he was the 49. You talk about <laughs> exactly. diabolical. We need to get NFL Illuminati, uh, NFL Illuminati podcast going because I got <laughs> yeah. the Brian Windhorse. Why right, right, think- right, right. Shit, shit, shit is kind of fishy. But, shit is fishy. But... Yeah, but but then we go back to like, okay, so now Philly, you know, Philly is in possession of Miami's 2021 first round pick, mm-hmm. you know, at, at, at 12 in the draft. Because, you know, like I said, Miami traded that, you know, to, to move up to number six to get uh, Waddle. So Philly works out a trade with Dallas to move up to 10. Mm-hmm. And at 10, Philly takes Devontae Smith. So now Dallas has San Francisco's first round at 12. And they take Micah Parsons, mm. right? So the fallout from this trade, you, we've yeah. got Jaden Waddle, Tyreek Hill, Bradley Chubb, Devontae Smith, Micah Parsons, and Trey Lance, right? Like one of these yeah. things is not like the other. And that's just <laughs> so wild to me that everyone involved in like this family tree of this trade cashed out in a major way, except for San Francisco. And San Francisco thought they were getting like the crown jewel of the whole shit. 
Yeah, that's crazy. What was it? Well, there's another huge NFL. Was it the Herschel Walker trade that was like yeah. that? That was like just yeah. a, an incredible, like basically shifted the course of NFL history. Yeah. This yeah. feels yeah, the they, same they way. They traded Herschel um, uh, to Minnesota and they got the picks that turned into like Troy Aikman and Henderson. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. Crazy. Yeah. I, I mean, in Dallas is a part of all that. So it, it is a good a, a good trade, I think. And even even with all of that, it's still probably the best value that the 49ers could have gotten in the situation. They actually yeah. probably got, I think it was a fourth rounder, um, yeah. but they don't have to cover his salary because they're the way that it's gone, like it's just teams aren't going to sign up for a player that they know how much you gave up to get and then you didn't play. You don't have exactly. to tell me what what it is, right? Like if I meet your parents and I don't know you and I say, oh, man, what is your son like? And they say, mm, he's, you know. I don't got to meet you to be like, oh, that dude's an asshole. If your parents ain't going to bat for you, that's the opinion that you're going to gather. And so for a lot of teams, they're not going to sign up for Trey Lance. But Dallas, you know, they have their own scouting on them, and they must have saw something. And, and to your point about Dak, also the fact they didn't call him, that is indicative of what their plans are. Maybe not in the immediate future, but at some part of the plan. And it might be that, Dak, you get hurt. And when you get hurt, here is somebody we want to check out in that moment to see if, he, if they can keep it afloat, even if we do believe that you're the guy. From Trey Lance, I think he could learn a lot from Kirk Cousins. I don't know Trey Lance, but it does feel like when I hear a player apologize on the way out after he's traded, after what was given up, that feels like a confidence issue, and that is a big issue with a lot of NFL athletes and NBA. And I go back and forth because there's so much conversation around like mental health and you know athletes, and I agree with all of that to a point, I'll be honest with you. I'm probably not as forgiving and like you know pro athlete mental health as I should be because that is a prerequisite of the job and just like you need to have a certain height or a certain speed or a certain strength or a certain ability to play under pressure in those moments or at least for a time you also have to have a certain amount of mental strength and right. and I think in a scouting report if that's not there for certain players then yes I Personally, I hope you're great. I hope you do everything to make yourself better. But if we're talking high-level million dollars of competition that people are clamoring for these jobs, then it's, you know, maybe you're not there. But for Kirk, for Trey Lance, the advice I would give him is to take a page out of Kirk Cousins' book. And like I said, the beautiful part about what Kirk does is he puts all the work in. If you check that box, learning to just let be. Because sometimes you fight against yourself or you fight against the perception or you fight against what coaches are thinking or players are thinking or teammates or fans. And I can promise you, I've been in those situations. It doesn't matter. And it's very often that they're all wrong. Right. Like they don't have it all figured out. Nobody does. You watch I mean, The Bear, the show on Hulu? I don't. I, I, I heard it was great. I should watch it. You know, okay, I, heard, well, I heard it's amazing. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, I don't want to spoil it for you if you haven't watched it, but there's a... Uh, for the people who have watched it and who will know this reference, there is um, "Let It Fly." It's just it's, I'll it. just I'll just leave it at that, and that's like the a good philosophy to mm -hmm. have here. I, and, and that's Vegas punk, but I really don't want to spoil it for nah, you or for anyone who hasn't seen it. Spoil so. it. This is okay. Know, All right. Well, fuck it. Yeah. If, if you haven't seen the bear, <laughs> tune out. Okay. Anyway, the bear is about this dude. He comes back home. His brother committed suicide. He comes back home and he takes over the the, the restaurant business. Mm -hmm. Right. Yep. Um, he was a little brother, you know, him and his big brother had a bit of a tumultuous relationship, you know what I'm saying? Big brother, little brother shit, you know, mm -hmm. nothing really crazy, but, but, you know, they butted heads a lot. Yeah. And, you know, something that he always told him 
when 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 they were kids was you know fuck it just let it fly like and and that's kind of how his, the older brother lived right mm-hmm. and meanwhile the younger brother is like an uptight dude who was like you know working at um five star restaurants in new york and yep. shit like just you know Michelin star really, chef yeah yeah, yeah, like a five-star chef, one of the best in the world. And his brother was like working a hole in the wall kind of, you know, Italian mm-hmm. beef spot, right? And so, you know, he come, um, the little brother comes back, takes over the business. And, um, you know, he's stressing about, you know, how how he's going to make this shit work. I'm a five-star chef. How am I going to do this and all that? And he and he goes in, you know, his brother's locker and he, he finds a letter that was written to him. And all it says on it was, little bro, let it fly. Mm. And, you know, the same That's shit there with Trey Lance. Absolutely. So hopefully yeah. Kirk Cousins can write that letter out, send it to Trey Lance. <laughs> yeah. Send it to him like some Shawshank Redemption shit. Yeah, like a just or something. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a quick break and come back with some NBA talk. We're here on Journeyman. All right, Dragonfly, I don't know if you saw this, but Noah Lyles, who I believe won three gold world medals this week, uh, will have the, the stat team correct me if I'm wrong on there. Um, but he's making some headlines here on on Twitter. And I'm sure it's come across your NBA Twitter, um, the founding platform of the Jenkins and Jones podcast. Yes, sir. Uh, and he came out in his press conference, and he's and the quote was, "It hurts because I have to see NBA champions with the words world champion on their head. World champions of what? The United States NBA." Twitter, NBA players reacted, Draymond Green, Kevin Durant, I think Dame Lillard, um, Adebayo, like everybody started to chime in and it didn't seem to go the way that Lyles wanted it to. And maybe it did. Maybe his whole thing was to get some attention, which he is getting, because I'll be honest with you, I'm not a, I have a tremendous amount of respect for track athletes because they are truly some of the best athletes in the world. Yeah. This is the first time I've heard the name Noah Lyles. I'll be honest with you. So I don't know if that's a bad thing or a good thing. Maybe that is the point from this world-class athlete, but it does seem incredibly short-sighted that in your biggest moment, you are now shifting the spotlight to another sport. And the reason people care is because they've responded. And it's like, you've worked your whole life for these three gold medals in this world championships. It just seems like, "Mm, I don't know if this was the strategy. And if so, like Cardi B says, what was the reason? Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm not riding with him on that because for a simple reason that the NBA is the best league in the world. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like I can understand if if we had like the MLS saying they were world champs or yeah. some shit. Like, they like, like the MLS, right? Like, like no, the Seattle Sounders are not the best soccer team <laughs> in the world. Hell no, we need to pump our brakes for that. Right. But no, the NBA is the best league in the world. It's that simple, right? Like the NFL is the best football league in the world. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So they're world champs. The NBA champs are world champs. MLB is the best baseball league in the world. They're world champs. So if you're the best league in the world, I figure you can defaultly call yourself the world champs. I, I'm i with you on that. I can. I, I think this is a bad move by him. I think, yeah. again, I, I it's not, it's not going to give a positive sentiment around himself. I won't say, like, anything about U.S. track and field because the thing is, we all love it. Like, we love to watch track. I got a text in my phone, like, from other NFL, like, yo, these guys are so fast. I'm watching the 100-meter. Like, we love to dig in. Draymond, yeah. Kevin Durant, they would have loved to chime in on this in a positive way, but instead, now you always create this track versus the rest of the athletes i don't know what it is about the chip on track athlete's shoulders but it seems of all the sports they for sure have the 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 biggest chip on their shoulder against other athletes and it's probably because 
they are where they do compete on a world scale and they don't get compensated anywhere close to other athletes, right? Like, you know, I, I would say I probably would have been one of the highest paid USA track athletes at what I made as a fourth receiver um, for the worst team in the NFL. So yeah. I get where the frustration comes from, but there's got to be another way. Am I wrong, Tyler? Do you have it's, another it's, way? I mean, it's, you know, they've got that wide receiver mentality. You know, wide receivers are like the biggest assholes in football because I, I'm going to argue I, I, you know, no shots because I think it's, it's, it's just, it's, it's a, it's one of those positions in football that is just purely one-on-one. You have got to beat the guy in front of you. Yeah. Right. So you need to be a bit cocky, a bit full of yourself to be successful in that, in, in mm-hmm. that regard. Right. And that's the same shit with track. Right. Well, I mean, for the, you know, you are out there competing against other people, you know, just kind of in a one-on-one or one-on-eight, however, you know, the, the, the track meet is set up or whatever. But, but yeah, like I said, I think they wide receivers and track folks have like the same type of mentality. Yeah, and I, I'm trying to now, now I'm trying to diagnose track athletes. Now I'm in here. So if you're track athletes, somebody, somebody let me know. I'm trying to break this down of why. Why does it, why does it hurt? They hate when you talk about a football player being fast. All I see on my timeline is them like, he ain't fast. And they're like, yeah, of course, he's not <laughs> Olympic level fast. And yes, a, a, a football player will fix his mouth to say he could run in the he's just talking trash nobody actually believes it like when I hear people say Russell Westbrook is so fast I'm not like he ain't faster than me of course he's not that fast he's fast (laughs) for his sport you know what I'm saying I yeah but and track and, and track folks they grow up in the trenches where like you know, when we were kids, we all had the one fast kid in our neighborhood who we would put up against any other fast kid. Yep, you know yep, what I mean? Yep. Like, I got a homie who we called Rabbit because he was so fucking fast. Yep, I got a, a couple homies named Rabbit from different neighborhoods. Everyone got a rabbit. <laughs> right? Right? So, so yeah, my homie Rabbit, like, like if you, if someone from your hood, you know, from your block was fast, now nah, they ain't fucking with Rabbit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> we used to line that shit up all the time, bro. <laughs> That's funny because Travis Benjamin, one of my best friends from the league, his nickname is Rabbit. That's what we call him. Really? Because he grew up here in South Florida, and he used to catch rabbits because that's how fast he oh, was. Oh, he had a, a Pahokee County. Yeah, he had a Pahokee he, rabbit, you know? But to your point, it's like, and you know what uh, What else probably really grinds their gears? The thing about it is, right, we'll go to bat for our NFL players or for our NBA players, right, against even international players. We will have a preference for our players here versus we don't care who who's playing well anywhere else. Like, these is... They don't want to. They don't want the smoke here. It's not like that in track. Usain Bolt start winning one hundred, and we are Usain Bolt fans. We will jump to any country on them, and I think that also has something to do with it because we like we don't. Yeah. It's not that we have the USA pride for our. We just like fast, and we don't care if it's from exactly. Jamaica, Barcelona. I right. forget who I, it I was. Am, I am a Shelly Ann Fraser stand for a couple reasons, but yeah, you know, of course, because she's fast. <laughs> Absolutely, I forget who was the. It was a. It was a. It was a. It was a track athlete from France, black dude, I think, that he went the hundred, and now he he was the topic of Twitter for like four days. We had no idea who this dude was, where he came from. <laughs> Come to find out, his like granddad was from Texas or something, and he ended up moving to France. But I, yeah, yeah, I think they just kind of feel like the forgotten elite athlete, and they put so much into it. It's like track athletes probably put the most into their sport of any other athlete, and they they don't get a quarter of the notoriety, even even the best. Like I said, this is, Noah is the fastest, and I just heard his name this morning for the first time in my life. Right. This is the fastest person in the country. Yeah. yeah I, you know, like I said, I can get the chip because you're dedicating your whole life, you know, around the clock training for like 
10 seconds or for like 40 seconds of, of, of something. You know what I mean? So. Right. Exactly. All right. We got like two minutes left here. I did want to talk about Steph Curry because we've been seeing him a lot. And I'm, I'm, I'm as a NBA uh, aficionado. Is that scary? Because we typically don't hear from Steph, but we're seeing Steph a lot more than we are. Is that just him being like, hey, I'm later in my career. It's time to take advantage of some of these things. Or should we worry about his game falling off because he's changing his philosophy? Oh no, no! I think I think Steph is is out for blood. Like he been talking his shit too. You know yeah. what I mean? Like we, you know, he made the rounds for saying that he thinks he's the best point guard of all time. And you know, if anyone should feel that way, it's Steph fucking Curry. Yeah. Um. You know, he's he's he he had that one quote where he was like, "Yo, we are coming back and we're going at a title." You know, and he's usually not the guy to say stuff like that. So, um, you know, I I think that that you know that 2022 title that kind of shifted shit a bit. You know, for Steph, I think that's. He rightfully, you know, knows that, you know, the the, the sky's the limit. This team is going to go as far as I can take them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm, I'm not mad at it. You know, I don't think it's 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 insecurity or anything. I think that, I mean, Steph has always been a shit talker. Like the whole notion yeah, that he's he, just some humble just don't church hear boy. Him. Yeah. Yeah. It, that's, that has been bullshit. Like he, <laughs> he, he has always been someone who talks shit, you know, tre- on, on tremendous levels on the court. But now he's doing it off the court. So it's it's like a seamless transition. You know what I mean? All right. I, I'm, I'm here for Steph Curry the villain. Sign me up. All right, that does it for this episode of Journeyman. Shout out to the DraftKings Network and Metal Arc Media. Shout out to my guy, Tyler Perrier, a.k.a. Dragonfly Jones of the Jenkins and Jones podcast for joining us here on Journeyman. And shout out to all of you. Make sure you journey back to us next week. We'll be here, same time, same place. And until then, there is beauty in the struggle and ugliness in the success. Peace.